Moses writes this about the righteousness that comes by the religious law. The person who does these things will live by them. But righteousness that is by faith says instead, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. That if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call upon the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? For as it is written in the Old Testament, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And that is the word of God for the people of God today. Thanks be to God. Well, pray with me, please. God, may the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Well, proper footwear is essential, isn't it? It is if you've ever been caught without what you need. I've been to places in the world on work teams before, like Guatemala and Haiti, And I've always followed the practice recommended to me by a friend of leaving behind my work boots whenever I go on a team because they are very difficult and expensive to come by in those developing countries where we have worked. And they are greatly, greatly appreciated and put to use. It amazes me how a lot of the world doesn't even have footwear that they need and um, they just continue on yet are limited by it. At a church that I served before coming here, during Lent one year, we had a shoe drive, and we collected gently used shoes from people in the church, expected to get hopefully 2,000 pairs. Well, it called on, and throughout the community and around town, people started donating. Over 9,000 pairs of shoes were collected, and then we had to raise the money to to put them all on pallets and ship them to a ship and put them on a container to go with Souls for Souls, an organization that helps people in developing countries get shoes they can't, can't afford. It, it's amazing. Uh, shoe wear and proper foot care is essential. You can ask any Duke basketball fan about whether or not footwear is important. How many Duke fans? I know quite a few in here. Last year, about this time, it was actually... February 20th, biggest game of the year for Duke basketball, the men, 
in Cameron Indoor. Carolina was there. They had come to town, and Duke was favored because of the Zion factor. Zion Williamson, their star player, had dominated all season long, but then less than a minute into the game, he, he pivots and turns, and boom, lo and behold, do you know what happened? His shoe blew out. I mean, it blew out like punching your fist through a paper bag. Well, he is, uh, he is after all, 6'6 six, six and 285 pounds, but still, still, he sprained his knee. He was out the rest of the game, and Carolina won in Durham at Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, before the night was over. Well, Zion missed the last six games of the regular season, but during the ACC tournament, Duke, went on to beat Carolina in a semifinal game. So I guess that made it okay, right? Nike, who made the shoes Zion blew out, lost about a billion dollars in market share of their stock in the weeks after. But in the end, in the end, it all turned out well, right? Like a fairy tale. Yeah, Zion came back, and the Duke Blue Devils went on to the NCAA tournament, the Elite Eight. Nike regained all of its... It's share, and of course now that Zion is in the NBA, they've, they've awarded him with a big fat contract for $75 million to be their spokesperson. Shoe wear and the properness of it and the use of it is essential. Paul says in the letter, let your feet be fitted with sandals of the gospel of peace. What in the world is he talking about? And speaking of of armor, of a soldier. He's talking about peace when it comes to sandals? It kind of piques my interest. And I want to hinge my thoughts today on, on a few things about what sandals have to offer for us in, in Paul's allegory. One thing that they offer is protection. And for soldiers, they protect their feet, especially going into battle. Alexander the Great, one of the, the most military genius-minded kings of all time, still considered that today, had one great innovation among many in his military conquests. He made standard offering and outfit for his soldiers to include shoes because he knew that he could make them go great distances and building his empire and being able to, to go on the battlefield to protect their feet from from objects like rocks or spikes that enemies would often put in the ground for invading armies to step upon and pierce their feet. Sandals offer great protection and enable the soldier to do what they were supposed to do. I think Paul is saying here that we need to be, be protective of our souls spiritually. Just as a soldier protects the sole of their foot with with a three-fourths inch slab of leather, as the Romans would give issue for their soldiers. So we need to protect our hearts and our minds and our souls, the image of God in which we are created. You know, in a few weeks, we'll be starting the season of Lent. Do you remember the story of Jesus? After he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days, and there he is tempted by the devil, and he is questioned about who he is, about his mission, about, about the ability and the uh, power that he has as the Son of God. 
And, and every time, every time that Jesus is questioned and tempted by the devil, he throws out a scripture verse. He is prepared. He knows protecting his mission and his purpose and who he is is incumbent upon him remembering, remembering God's word, who was eventually uh, and fully himself. Maybe we ought to know our Bibles a little better to protect ourselves when questions come, when, when moral dilemmas arise, when we have to choose between right and wrong to know the words and to be able to speak it in those moments of need is protecting ourselves. What about self-care? Do, do you get proper rest during your weeks? Do you take time out to catch up on your sleep if you're behind, or do you burn the candle at both ends? Do you take time out of your day to hush all the noise around you and listen? Listen, maybe, in prayer to the voice of, of God and what He has to say for you. Do you exercise enough and look out for your health and eat right? There was a study done some time back of the American workforce, and the study showed that some of the dumbest mistakes made in the work world are done when people are tired or sleepy or stressed out or in a hurry. Now, don't you think that that's also applicable to our souls, to the soul work that God desires for you? It's easy for us to, to make dumb mistakes and make bad choices when we are not taking care of ourselves and protecting our souls? Are you giving generously uh, to others to remember that everything that you have is not all yours, but it's given to you by God? Do you serve others regularly with your time by checking on people in need or, or serving those that are in need in the community? Do you pray every day, communicate with God, so that you can at least know his voice when it is that you need to have guidance and hear from him. Because one day all of us will be tempted, if not now, then definitely later. We will have our identity in Christ questioned. We will have whose image we are created in question. We will have the choices between right and wrong thrown before us and be tempted to choose the bad. And like Jesus, if we can protect our souls and be in, in good standing and in, in right paths of God, we can protect ourselves. Another thing that sandals offer is solid footing. I'm talking about a solid place to stand on, not like Zion's shoe that just went out from under him, but, but something solid to stand on when, when the earth maybe is slippery and wet. Uh, the, the Roman sandals had actually cleats on the bottom, which were nails nailed up into the leather. And why was that? It was to give them firm footing. If the grass was slippery on the battlefield or if it got to be muddy, they needed a little more traction, a little more firm footing to, to be able to go to hand-to-hand -to -hand combat to protect themselves, to in a fight and duel of wrestling, to hold their ground and stand firm while trying to throw over their opponent. Traction is, is essential to keep our, our footing solid. And 
I think Paul is reminding us that we are, as, as Christians, as people of faith, to, to remember that we need to get a, a firm stand in the truth of God and in God's Word, who is Jesus Christ. Just as last week we talked about Him being our righteousness, and when we talked the week before about putting on the belt of truth, which is Him, cloaking ourselves in Him, we know that if we will allow Him to be our truth and our guide, then we will find our way to what is, what is right and good and keep us on solid ground. I've told the story to you before, but I love it. And, and it illustrates this point especially well. And it just makes me laugh. So I'm going to tell it. It's an old Jerry Clower story about a Halloween night when there was a small country church that was, well, they were hyped up on, on the steroids of, of spiritual power and, and the spiritual realm, if you will. They were praying for evil spirits to, to stay away, to ask God's protection on that, that night of Halloween. And it just so happened there was a group of teenagers that were trying to find a party that they were going to, of friends, for Halloween. And they were all in costume. And they got lost out in the country, and so they decided to pull up to this little church that had the lights on to ask directions where they were going. And it just so happened, poor fella, the one that they, they asked to get out of the car and go in and ask was dressed up just happened to be for Halloween as the devil that year. And so he walks up the front steps of the church, and he opens the door, and there's the preacher down at the front of the church in the middle aisle talking, and he just turns this ashen white. And imagine, after he runs out a side door, and the members start turning around to see what he saw, to see the devil painted in red face with horns, holding his spear or or pitchfork in one hand and his pointed tail in the other, well, it cleared out pretty quickly in that church. But there was one woman, one older woman, who was there, and she turned around, and, and she saw who it was, and she stood up and courageously stepped out into the aisle. She turned around and faced the enemy, and she said, Devil, I just want you to know I've been a member of this church my whole life. I was raised in this church. I found the Lord. I was baptized here. And I have been to worship Sunday morning and evening every day of my life unless I've been sick. But devil, I want to tell you just one thing today, and you need to listen to me good. I have been on your side the whole time. Well, there's nothing like caving, is there? When we need to stand firm and be sure of who we are and whose we are, to just give in and roll over and all together just slough off the enemy and do whatever it is that comes along. That's not, that's not being on solid footing and standing firm, as Paul calls us to stand firm with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Paul references finding our peace, our strength in Christ. Yes, if we think that we can handle life and go through all of the challenges and the difficulties and temptations alone, we're selling ourselves short. And we're putting ourselves in a heap of trouble. If we will find that Jesus is our peace in the midst of the storm, 
that he is calling our name, even as the storms rage around us and inviting us to come to him, we will find peace and strength. This gospel of peace, Jesus, it's him. Him who cast out all of the demons in our souls that possess and try to vie for our attention or in our time and our passion in life. It's Jesus who is our peace. The one who carries and takes away from us all of our shame and our, our sins and our failures in life. Just like he carried that cross up the hill in Jerusalem outside the city to Calvary. It is our peace. Jesus who cracks open the tombs of darkness and of death to shine a little light on the subject and to show us the path that leads to life and the one that leads to love instead of hate. If we will make Jesus our peace and claim him and him alone, then he will be our strength and give us the ability to stand with readiness, with readiness for whatever may come, because his good news, the gospel, is that of peace. Well, the last thing I'll mention, which sandals have to offer for us, are mobility, is mobility. And that, of course, is the ability to get around and to go places and do things. These sandals that Roman soldiers would wear would strap around not just their foot, but also their ankle and their calves, and it would create a firm support for them, like wearing a boot, which we have today, but they didn't have back then. They would be able to hike, as, as Roman soldiers often did, dozens of miles a day from one location to another because they were aided by the support of that, that sandal that they wore. Whereas if they did not have it, they would, would may not be able to do as well. It gave great tactical advantage as well for, for the generals or for the commanders to tell soldiers quickly to go to this part of the battlefield, and they could run and do that more readily because of the support that the sandal gave to them. They were mobile, able to move around and go. And Paul is saying this because he is on the move. You know that Paul traveled most of his adult life from around the Mediterranean basin and even up into Europe and, and even in Asia, going great distances to go. Why? To proclaim this gospel of peace that Jesus Christ called him to. It's the same gospel, the same good news, which is what gospel means, that all of us are called not just to receive, but to go and to share with others as well. Paul makes his purpose in life the great commission of Jesus, and it's the same commission that he gives to us, to go and share the gospel, the good news of God's love through Jesus Christ to each and every person we meet in the ways that we treat others, in the life that we live out, at home or in, <clears throat> in school or at work or wherever we are, to be about showing the love of God and telling others why it is that we have that love in our hearts because Jesus has given it to us. Paul's command is, is for us to go and to share this good news of peace. Did you hear the beautiful proclamation he wrote in in Romans 5, when he talks about the gospel message and how it's for everyone, this socially 
changing nature of the gospel to include everybody, regardless of status, of slave or free or Jew or Greek, to, to put everyone on equal plane, to go and proclaim that message. He says this, How can, can they call upon the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one with whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written in the Old Testament, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And Paul tells us that we are to strap on these sandals of peace with the readiness of the gospel and to go and let that be our light in the world. To go deliver that good news in all that we do. Are you willing to do it? Because he calls us to it. It could simply be sharing with someone that you know well the reason that you are the way you are. Or inviting someone to renewal services to come and be a part of of our family of faith and, and to worship and meet this Lord. How beautiful your feet will be if you, if you go and you take good news to those that are around you. It's amazing what God, God does and how God opens doors when, when we step out in faith and do that. There's a great story I'll close with today from ancient Greek history about a man who was an enlisted one in the Greek army named Pheidippides. Have you heard the name before, Pheidippides? You're getting ready to learn a little bit of Greek history. This is back before the time of Christ, way before. And the year was 490, actually, when the Persians, who were the reigning empire of the day, came ashore the continent of Greece, or the country of Greece, to invade. There at the Bay of Marathon in the Mediterranean Ocean, they landed and their forces got out. And the Greek military that were around that part knew that they had been beat. They didn't have near enough soldiers to hold them off. They didn't have the uh, ability or the strength to do that or the, the tools even, the weapons to do that. And so they knew they needed to buy some time and to, to get help to support them. The Spartans would often help and come to their aid because they were of similar background and belief. And so this man named Pheidippides, enlisted one, was, and his position was actually a hermerodrome, which literally means a day runner. These were people that would run and take military messages from one post to another to quickly communicate an urgent message in a time way before radios or phones or anything else. And so Pheidippides was sent to go to Sparta to run quickly and to tell them that assistance was needed at the Bay of Marathon. And so he ran all of that distance, which was a long, long way. Fifty-something miles, they think. And then after that, he ran back from Sparta to, to the Bay of Marathon to let them know that help was on its way. But then, then after the battle was done, and after, after Greek had warded off the invaders, he was asked to go and take and deliver a message to Greece, the capital, to let them know that the crisis had been averted. 
Another 20-something miles he ran. And as the story is told, the legend, if you will, he runs into Greece and runs to deliver the message, and he uses the words uh, Nike, Nike, which means plain and simple victory, victory. And then he collapses and he dies. He's run over 140 miles in two days. But he delivers the essential message that Greece needed to hear and so desired in their hearts to hear. And the marathon today is named after Pheidippides or the place from where he took that message. This place where we leave today, Pleasant Garden United Methodist Church, we have a message to deliver as well to all of those that we will encounter and see and meet in the week to come. And it is a message of good news. It is a message of victory that everyone needs to hear in this world that just seems to be crumbling down all around us, seems to be so hopeless and hurting. There is good news, good news of the love of God in Jesus Christ and his peace for everyone. Will we willingly and faithfully go and be the beautiful feet that Jesus equips us with sandals to go and deliver that great message.